you. I said to somebody um, when we were setting up, this is going to be a very naughty service because we're not actually going to read the Bible at all. But we will engage with the stories of Scripture, the stories of Easter. Our call to worship this morning is a poem written by somebody called Anne Siddall and is on a website of uh, different kinds of spirituality and prayers. We are not eyewitnesses to an event, as were Mary and the disciples. We have not journeyed through a dangerous city to seek answers or consolation. We have not seen angels gathering at the rim of this day or wept in the garden this morning because we could not find him. But we are here to attest to a story that has not lost its power during 20 centuries of change and conflict. We are here because those before us carried this story as if it were precious gold, cherished as if it were the key to a hidden wisdom. Sisters and brothers in Christ, take your places here today in celebration and in awe. What you are about to hear again has the capacity to change the world. Your very presence attests to the rising up of life from the tomb of despair and to the uncontrollable power of God. It is Easter morning again and we will celebrate. Come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God of life, we give you thanks for this new day. 
a day when we awoke in the comfort and safety of familiar surroundings. Or if not familiar, then at least somewhere we had chosen to be. We give you thanks for the food we have already eaten, the conversations we have already shared, and for the promises of the day ahead, whether busy or relaxed. God of new life, we give you thanks for this new Easter day, a day when we remember the story of Christ rising, a day to celebrate the hope that brings for us and for all new hope. We give thanks for a time to be together, to sing and share, to praise and to pray, and for the promises of Jesus we recall once again. God of everlasting life, we give you thanks for the ongoing story in which each of us plays our part and discovers our true identity as your children, beloved, accepted, forgiven and free. We give you thanks that you are always with us, even when we fear you have gone away, and that in all things you work with us, now and forevermore. And we join together in the prayer Jesus taught his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever.
some of you will be familiar with the ideas of godly play or of deep talk. They are very similar methods of engaging with stories. Godly play, which came first, was aimed originally at children, but adults were drawn in and saw the wonder. And deep talk is a Scandinavian development of that, interestingly, in a secular context, where they use folk tales to open up conversations. So if you want to be able to see the stories as well as hear them, you might need to move around a little bit this morning. The first story will be told from here. Here is a bag waiting to be opened and a story waiting to be told. We sit quietly. We don't touch it. We don't speak. We watch carefully and we listen. And if you want to come closer so you can see, please do. I wonder if you have ever got up very, very early in the morning, before it got light, when the world was still and quiet. I wonder if you have walked barefoot on dewy grass and felt the delicious coldness of water on your toes. I wonder if you have felt the stirrings of a breeze in your hair or playing with the edge of your clothes. I wonder if you've been in a garden like this one. In this garden, all is quiet. It's still dark. And no one has yet come to walk on the dew-drenched grass. The flowers are tightly curled up. The birds have not yet started to sing. But this is no ordinary garden. This garden belongs to a rich man. A rich man who bought it because one day, a long, long way into the future, this is where he would like to be buried, where his family can come to remember him. Here is a woman. She looks tired and sad. She walks slowly into the garden. And every few steps she turns round. Just to make sure that nobody is following her. No. Nope. No one's following her. 
It's just the last of the night creatures slipping away through the grass to sleep. She walks to the middle of the garden. It's still and it's quiet. But what is this? The huge stone that should be across the entrance has been moved. The tomb is open. She stands there, open-mouthed. Tears roll down her cheeks and she shivers with fear and sadness. But there comes a sound. And through her tears, she can just about make out the shape of a figure in white. Is it a man? Is it an angel? She's really not sure. Don't be frightened. I know you're looking for Jesus, he says. But he isn't here anymore. He's alive. He's got up and he's gone ahead of all of you to Galilee. Run now. Run and tell Peter and tell the other disciples the good news. Jesus lives. And the sun started to spread its light in the garden. And the grass became brighter. And the flowers opened their petals. And the woman skipped away to tell what she had heard. angel left too but wait before we leave the garden let's just peep into the tomb what's this here is love and here is hope
Here is another bag, another story waiting to be told. I wonder what story is hidden here. Here is sand. It's cold and it's damp where the sea has recently lapped on it. The tide has been in and out and in and out and in and out. <coughs> I wonder if you like going to the beach. I wonder if you like the feeling of the sand between your toes or the swish of the seawater around your legs. I wonder if you've ever been on a beach very early in the morning when no one else is there. There's no one yet on the beach. Very very early in the morning. But here is a man who has come to the beach. It's still and quiet. He is all on his own. But far away, in the distance, he spies a boat. This is a place where fishermen work all night long. They are out on the sea trying to catch fish. He knows this well. He calls to them. Have you had a good night? What have you caught? Nothing, they say. He looks again out to sea. Over to the right, over to the right, let your nets down there. So they do. And soon the net is full of large fish and they turn for the shore. And some of them jump out of the boat to drag the net to shore. The man comes to meet them. Come and have breakfast, he says. And they find there are freshly cooked fish for them to enjoy.
after they've finished eating, the man calls to the big fisherman and says, will you come with me for a walk? So they walk together along the beach. And the man asks the big fisherman a strange question. Do you love me? Do you love me more than all your friends and family? Do you love me more than your fishing boat? Do you love me more than anything else in the whole wide world? And the big fisherman says, yes. Yes, I do love you. I do love you more than anything or anyone in the whole wide world. And a man says to him, look after my sheep. Look after my lambs. Take care of grown-up people. Take care of children. And tell them my stories.
I wonder how the woman felt that morning in the garden. I wonder how the big fisherman felt that morning on the seashore. I wonder how we're feeling this morning. I wonder if one of those stories resonated more with you than the other. Doesn't matter if it did or it didn't. It doesn't matter how it resonated or to what extent. I wonder what touched you or fascinated you in either of the stories. Our prayers this morning will involve our imaginations with an opportunity to revisit either the garden or the beach. If it helps, feel free to close your eyes. Otherwise, try to find a single focus rather than looking around you. In your imagination, walk to the place that you have chosen. Take a moment to see, to hear, to smell, to taste to touch whatever is around you. This is holy ground, for God is here. Jesus comes to you right where you are just as you are. He reaches out a nail-scarred hand in greeting and calls you by name. He asks you a question. Do you love me? How does it feel to be asked that question by Jesus? How do you reply? Take care of my sheep and my lambs. Who does he mean? Who is it that we are called to love as Christ loves us? For whom do we want to pray this day? Let's do so now, quietly, naming them in our hearts to Jesus.
the voice comes again. Don't cling to me. Instead, go and tell others what you have seen and heard. How does that feel? Must we so soon leave this moment, this place? Who are we to tell? What are we to say or do? Bring those thoughts and questions now to Jesus. Our walk is almost over. But you can't help turning and looking over your shoulder. There are other people. You ask Jesus about them. He stops walking. He turns. And he looks you in the eye. You follow me. You start walking again. And then, turning, realise he's gone. Slowly, slowly come back to the present and as you do so recall the last words he spoke to you I am with you always to the very end of the age Jesus of the garden Jesus of the seashore, hear our prayers. Amen.
In many parts of our world, it is against the law to own a Bible. In many parts of our world, it is illegal for Christians to meet together. In many parts of our world, to meet around the Lord's table is, it seems, impossible. Many years ago, a friend of mine told me a story which I believe to be true. That in China, during a time of great persecution, Christians would meet together in restaurants and order meals. And at some points in the meal, one of them would simply say, do you remember? and they would eat, and they would drink, and they would remember, and then they would slip away. For to profess a faith in Jesus the Christ put them at risk of death. When Jesus and his friends shared their last Passover meal together, he told them to keep alive the memory of what he had taught and told them, remembering him whenever they ate bread and whenever they drank wine. Ever since that day, his followers have told the story and remembered not just that night, but also the events that followed it. The arrest, the execution, the rising, and the ascending. Ever since that time, people like Mary, the woman in the garden, 
have been surprised to discover new hope and new love in the stories of Jesus. Ever since that time, people like Peter, the big fisherman, have been given second chances and third chances and infinite chances as they have tried to follow Jesus. Ever since that time, people like us in all our wonderful diversity have told the story and shared in bread and wine. Of course, down those years, realising just how important it is, this remembering, the church has made it awfully complicated. It's become worried about getting it wrong. And because it's so worried about getting it right and not getting it wrong, it has tended to exclude rather than include those whom Jesus would gladly welcome. So before we retell the story, before we remember and rediscover the mystery of this symbolic act, we take a few moments to recognise and confess our own faults and failings along the way. So let's pray. Jesus, Son of God, you met in an upper room with your closest friends, knowing that they would all let you down, knowing that one had already promised to hand you over to the authorities, and another would say he didn't even know who you were. And yet, knowing all this, you loved them, and you shared with them your last meal, and you trusted them to pass on the story and keep alive the memory of your promises. We confess that we have been no more reliable than they were, that we let you down, individually and collectively. Sometimes we make this remembrance too serious, too exclusive and risk becoming religious hypocrites. And sometimes we make it too glib, too easy, forgetting the internal significance of this enacted story. In whatever way we need it, forgive us and assure us of pardon, so that we may participate fully and freely in celebrating all that you have done for us. Amen. In many Christian traditions, but very rarely in Baptist traditions, people are invited to greet each other with a sign of peace somewhere during the communion. It can be a handshake, it can be a hug, Sometimes with words, sometimes without words. If you're a Catholic or an Anglican or an Episcopalian, this piece has one symbol, and if you're a Presbyterian, it has another symbol, so it comes in a different place in, in the service, just to confuse us. 
I spent a year working with an Anglican church and came to understand the peace in a very profound way as about being right with each other before God. It's not that we've fallen out with each other, but maybe sometimes we have just a mischievous thought in our head or an unkind thought in our head. When I was a student, and I'm going completely off piece now, but never mind, I remember the first communion we had, and there was a Unitarian student there who had outed herself as a lesbian. And at that time, I wasn't sure where I stood on same-sex relationships. But I knew in that moment that I had to greet her with the peace of Christ. And that moment for me was an important step on my journey to understanding God's love for all people in which sexuality is utterly irrelevant. So today I'm going to ask you to be really brave and I'm going to invite you to, with as many people as feels comfortable, to offer them a sign of peace. It can be a handshake, it can be a hug. You might want to say something like, peace be with you, or shalom, or God bless, whatever it is. You might want to smile, and it will get chaotic, and that's the point. Our peace in Christ is not a kind of holy peace in the sense of very pious. It's, it's messy and it's joyful. The peace of God be always with you. Let's offer each other a sign of peace. die a criminal's death and Jesus met with his friends in an upstairs room God bless And so it was evening, the night before Jesus would die a criminal's death, and he met with his friends in an upstairs room. So much was familiar. The psalms they sang and the prayers they prayed and the stories they remembered. But Jesus, sensing or maybe even knowing that this was the last time, changed everything. In the course of that meal, he lifted up some bread, offered the customary prayer, broke them off, and before he ate it, said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. And at the end of the meal, he lifted a cup of wine offered the customary prayer, 
drank deeply and said, This is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you do it, remember me. And ever since, people like us have done that. God of garden and ocean, God of field and vine, we give you thanks for the bread and wine set before us and for all they symbolise to us. Amen. Do you remember? Do we remember? How will we remember? We serve one another, eating the bread as we receive it, and we remember. of the meal a cup of wine a cup of blessing a cup of remembering We remember. We remember the stories of Jesus. We remember the promises of God. We remember that the Holy Spirit is with us always. Amen.
before you leave today, please take some daffodils, a sign of hope, a sign of resurrection joy. They are called Lent lilies for some reason, uh, but we will enjoy them as a sign of resurrection. May the joy of Easter fill our hearts, the hope of Easter sustain our lives, and the peace of Easter surround us now and always. <laughs>